you, Lord, that all the times and the seasons are held by your hand. We want to thank you, Father, that even though the times and the seasons, Lord, in the physical and in the natural sense, they change and they move, but God, you remained constant and you remain the same, Father. Whether it's a a cold winter spell or whether we are coming into the throes of spring and new life, Lord God, and new birth. And so, Holy Spirit, we just want to thank you for being with us this morning. And we pray now, Lord, that as we come around your word, Father, open our hearts. Give us eyes to see, Lord, and minds to comprehend, Father, what the Spirit of the Lord wants to say to us. And, Father, divide and break your word among us this morning, Father. And, Lord, as we've been singing, be exalted and be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen Amen. and amen. Now, church, be honest. But if you were to have a sum of money deposited into your bank accounts on a daily basis for the rest of your lives, say £86,000 per day, how would you spend it? Bearing in mind that whatever you don't use or spend at the end of the day will simply be written off and wiped clean. Now, do you think that the thought of potentially losing an obscene amount of money would better motivate you to better spend it or invest it? Absolutely, it would. (laughs) Silly question, right? However, we have a commodity that is far more valuable than money, and yet we squander it without a second thought. The commodity that I'm speaking of is, of course, time. It's time, not quite Jesus, it's time. It is Jesus as well. And so, this commodity of time, each one of us, every single day, is given 86,400 seconds of time per day. And whatever isn't used or spent is simply written off and it is wiped clean. We cannot carry the balance over. And we cannot borrow from tomorrow. There's no loans, no refunds, or no reruns. But if we fail to use our daily deposit, then we simply miss out. And there is no going back. That said, I've entitled this morning's message as simply Redeeming the Time. And I think it's quite appropriate, especially as we've already lost an hour this morning. So we, we better get into it. So if you have your Bibles with you, then please open up and come with me to the book of Ephesians. And we're going to read from chapter 5 and verses 15 to 17. And I'm going to read from the the New King James Version this morning, just because to be a little bit different and because it reads a little bit more poetically. And it will be up on the screens as well for you to follow along. And it says this. See then. That you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Or to read from the message version, it says, So watch your step, use your head, 
Make the most of every chance that you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly, but make sure you understand what the Master wants. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, a number of years ago now, the Daily Mirror, they conducted a survey to see how the average person in Britain spent their time over the course of their lifetime, given that the life expectancy was 75 years. And they came up with some fascinating insights. Do you want to hear them? Yeah? Yeah? It's a few. They said that the average man works for approximately 11 and a half years of his life. That's 24 hours, round the clock, back-to-back, solid graft. The average married woman spends around five and a half years doing housework, cleaning, dusting, hoovering, etc. Forgive it, it was done a long time ago, so do pardon the, the, the gender stereotypes. Generally, we spend three years washing clothes. Women, they spend around 136 days or four and a half months getting ready for a night out. And some, wait for it, and some may even take longer. In contrast, men spend around 46 days on the same task. Perhaps some of them should take longer. (laughs) But to our credit, men spend an average of four months shaving. (laughs) We spend three months sunbathing, 26 years sleeping, seven years trying to get to sleep due to insomnia. Four years eating. That's 24 hours back-to-back eating. Come on. We spend four years on the phone at work. Five months on hold to a call centre somewhere whilst being transferred from department to department. Remember those days? Five months are spent complaining about the bad customer service that we have received. One month of waiting in queues or platforms um, for buses and trains, etc. We spend 366 days off sick, 115 days laughing, 27 days getting romantic. 11 years of our lives are spent in front of the television, and that's based on an average of four hours per day. Five years on the internet, based on over 11 hours per month, which I'm sure is exceedingly higher, given the smartphone technology that we have in our pockets today. Just quickly popping onto Facebook or Instagram and updating our status of posting a picture And before we know it, we have endlessly scrolled time away, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I think social media is a, a great way of communicating and keeping in touch with friends and family. But if we're not careful, then we may find ourselves frittering and squandering our time away. Now... These stats on time spent are quite shocking, aren't they? And the psalmist reminds us 
that our days, they may come to three score and ten, or seventy to eighty years. Psalm 90 in verse 10. But then in verse 12, he goes on to say, Teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Amen. Amen. Imagine, if you will, that there was this huge countdown timer on your life where you could see the number of your years and months, days and hours just ticking down. Now, as well as that being quite depressing, it would also be, it would also be I believe, quite motivational to see how much time we have so that we may better put it to use. And if you're a young person here this morning, then don't think that the age of 75 is miles away and that I don't have to be concerned about it right about now. But just listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 39 and verses 4 and 5. He says, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Wow. Are you all right? You're doing okay with me? Yeah. Now, let me just put this into some kind of perspective for you. How old would you say that I am? Go ahead, shout it out. I won't be offended, but please be kind. Anyone? 20, bless you, my sister. Come on. (laughs) Who said that? Ah, interesting. Now, to your shock or amazement, I am 44 years old. Old, I know, don't look a day over 25, so come on, praise God. And so, if the average life expectancy is 75, minus that by 44, and it equates to me having another 31 years of life left to live. And the truth is that even these 31 years are not guaranteed to me. My life could be snatched away tonight and tomorrow may never even come. Which is why the Apostle James, he asks the question and he says, what is your life? And then he answers with, you are but a mist, vapor and smoke, that as quickly as it appears, it disappears. James 4 and verse 14, right? Richard um, Richard Baxter a Puritan preacher from the 17th century, he once said that I will preach as a dying man to dying men and I will preach as if I will never preach again. Meaning that every time he climbed into that pulpit, he made the most of his time as he would preach the gospel with full force, declaring the greatness of Jesus Christ, calling sinners to turn from their sins and to turn to God. You see, there was an urgency in his spirit to reach as many souls as he could before his time was up. 
In other words, he had an eternal perspective, knowing that whatever he did in the here and now, it would echo in eternity. Isn't that a great way to live life to the max for King Jesus? Amen. And the scriptures call us to be good stewards, not only of our finances, but also of our time. And just as we would never squander our money away, therefore let us not squander our 86,400 seconds of time per day. But let us use them to the glory of the Lord. Amen. Coming back to the scriptures, Ephesians 5 and verse 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And the first two words in this verse here, the see then, it acts like the therefores in scripture. And thus they take us back to verse 14, which reads, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. In other words, if you have come alive from the dead, then you are no longer living in darkness, but in light. Therefore, or see then, that you walk wisely. Now, even though the New Testament is predominantly written in the Greek, However, we must look at this concept of walking wisely through a Jewish lens, a Hebraic lens. Because wisdom to the Greek mind, it meant more of an intellectual exercise. But to the Jew, wisdom was more of a life principle and application. In that it wasn't merely thinking wisely, but it was living and walking wisely. And so in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, Paul, he lays out our position. And he says, this is who you are. That you were once dead. You were at the bottom of the ocean, flatlining, but God has made you alive in Christ. And because you have now come alive in him, therefore walk worthy of the call. And then in chapters 4 and 5, he shows us what this worthy walk looks like. Chapter 4, in the first three verses, he says, walk in humility. Verses 4 to 16, walk in unity. 17 to 32, walk differently to the Gentiles. Chapter 5, in the first seven verses, walk in love. 8 to 14, walk in light and not darkness. And then chapter 5 and verse 15, walk circumspectly. Now, what does that even mean? Well, to walk circumspectly, it literally means to walk carefully, accurately, and with an exactness. It's precisely what our Lord meant in Matthew 7 and verse 13 when he said, narrow is the gate and narrow is the way. So watch where you tread. Amen. Amen. 
Why should we walk circumspectly? Because firstly, whether we like it or not, our lives will be influencing others. And others will be watching our lives, the way we walk and the way we talk and carry ourselves. And if we are walking hypocritically, then we may even get called out on it. But on the other hand, if our walk matches our talk, then hopefully others will be inspired and drawn to the Christ. Paul put it this way. He said, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Amen. Another reason we are to walk circumspectly is because we have an enemy of our soul. And he is relentless and he will not stop until he has put us down or taken us out any which way that he can. Which is why the Apostle Peter warns us and says, Be sober-minded and be vigilant for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. And so, we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. What does that look like? To redeem the time. Does it mean to double your speed to get somewhere real fast? Like driving 60 miles per hour in a 30 zone? Or does it mean to skip breakfast so that you can get somewhere earlier? Or does it mean to have cosmetic surgery to recapture your good looks and your time? Answer? No. Because to redeem... It means to buy up ransom and to rescue something from loss. It's exactly what our Lord did at the cross when he rescued us and when he redeemed us. So Paul says, buy up, rescue and redeem the time. Now, to understand this verse, the key lies in the word time. Now, in the English, we only are quite limited. We only have one word for time, which is time. But in the Greek, there are two words for time. There is chronos and there is kairos time. Chronos is the time on your watch, the time that moves from the present into the future. From chronos, we get the word chronology or timeline or sequence of events. But also there's another word, and it is kairos time. And it is more akin to the seasons and to the opportunities, as in it is God's time, the eternal now. Does that make sense? And kairos is the word that Paul uses here in verse 16. And so he says, redeem the kairos, or take a hold of, an advantage of every God-given opportunity that comes your way. Convert it into value and make it count. Grasp it for the kingdom of God. Amen. And Paul uses this same phraseology elsewhere in the scriptures, namely Colossians 4 and 5 and 6, when he says... 
Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders, redeeming the time. There it is. And let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Note how this is is spoken of in more of an evangelistic setting to reach those who are outside of the family of God. You see, there are people in your sphere of influence, friends, neighbors, and colleagues that only you can reach. And God wants to make himself known to them via you. Are you up for that, church? I said, are you up for that, church? The answer should be, yes, pastor. (laughs) Now, I remember one time Becky was sharing a conversation that she had with her colleagues at work. How they were all sitting around and just talking. And the conversation, all of a sudden, it turned to the topic of heaven and hell. And it was very Hollywood, to say the least. And so Becky took the opportunity. And redeeming the time, she began to explain the reality of both places. And as conversations were had, as seeds were sown, something sparked and ignited something within the heart of one particular colleague who immediately went online and ordered herself a Bible because she wanted to know the one who holds the entire universe in the palm of his hand. Glory to Jesus. You see, I couldn't reach my wife's colleagues. Only she could. And likewise, in the same sense, only you are able to reach your colleagues, friends and neighbours. So do look out for these opportunities because there are many who are seeking and the world and new age philosophy, it doesn't quite quench or satisfy the deep longings of the soul because only Christ does. And did you know that we carry his holy presence wherever we go? Did you know that, church? Do you believe that, church? Because there's one thing to pay assent to it and tick the box, yep, I'm in. But do we actually believe that we are carriers of his presence? Because newsflash, Yahweh no longer dwells in a tabernacle out in the middle of a desert. Neither does he dwell in a temple made by human hands. But he now dwells in the very midst of his people. And he dwells in temples not made with human hands, a.k.a. You, the body, we are the body in the temple of God, and his spirit is within us. Amen. Believe that, church. Don't let the enemy rob you of your time. I mean, think about the time spent gossiping, spreading rumors, worrying, wasting the time, when we are called to redeem the time. Now, if you were to think back over your life, over the past week, how much time did you spend with God? And that's not to bring any condemnation on anybody, but how much time did you give him? And how much time did you spend on Netflix or social media, just 
scrolling through. You see, sometimes we say we don't have enough time. How many of you have said that? Or there aren't many, there's not enough hours in the day to do this, that and the other. But the truth is, is not that we don't have enough time, but it's that we choose to give our time to other things instead. Because if we really valued someone or something, we would give them the time of day. But if we don't value them, we wouldn't give them any time. Hashtag just saying, right? It's been said that if you want to see how important the pastor is, then just come along to a Sunday morning service and see by the numbers attending. Or if you want to see how popular the youth leader is, go along to a youth service and judge by the numbers. And if you want to see how important Jesus is, just attend a prayer meeting and you will see by the numbers. Ouch. You see, if we say we love Christ, we will zealously guard our time with him and we will give him our best, whatever comes our way. And as we do, we not only find our own soul in the process, but we also find true joy and true peace, life and liberty, because it is all found in him. And yet we're too busy chasing all the trinkets and all the shiny, the glitz and the glamour of the world, are we not? Now, I'm not saying that God is only pleased when we're reading our Bibles and we're in prayer, no. But he is also pleased with us when we enjoy a beautiful sunrise or sunset that he made for us that day. Or when we fire up the barbecue and we have fellowship with one another. I mean, doesn't the Apostle Paul say something to that effect that whatever you do, eat and drink to the glory of God? Amen. And so the Lord is pleased in both our work and rest in him and for him. Amen. Let's not get it twisted. It's not about, we're, not, we're no longer slaves in Egypt under the taskmaster's whip. But he says, remember, and it's that coming in that day of delighting in him, of working to the glory and resting to his glory as well. Verse 17. It says, understand what the will of God is. How do we do that exactly? Well, we be intentional. And we take time out to seek after and to go after God so that we can understand the time, the season, or the kairos that we are in right now. And then we ask those all-important questions of why and what, as in why am I here and what is my purpose? God, what are the passions and the desires and the abilities and the gifts that you have placed within me that I can use for your glory. And if you're on a journey with that, we can, we can help you. There are things, there's gaps in 
the operational structure of here and if you're able to just give to something, just to do something, it may be your gift, it may not be your gift. But it's a journey of discovery. And answer we after we ask those questions and then after we trust and we have faith that God is with us and that his plans for our lives, they will all be revealed in his perfect timing. And in the meantime, we live faithfully to what we already know about him, knowing that whatever we do in the here and now will echo into eternity. Amen. Martin Luther, the German monk, he had three dates in his diary. And they were, Christ died yesterday, he rose today, and he is returning tomorrow. St. Augustine once said, love God and do whatever you want. And the Apostle Paul said, whatever things you do, do all for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Let that shape you. And let it form you. And let Christ dwell richly within your hearts. And let everything else flow from that perspective. Your time, your wealth, finances, everything. And you cannot go wrong. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm coming into land now. If you're... I can see some droopy eyes. Just, just nudge your, your neighbour in the, in the ribs. Say, he's almost done. He's coming into land now. That woke everyone I'll finish with this. Dr. Piper, he, he once shared two stories. And then towards the end of it, he asked the question. And the question was, which one of these stories is the tragedy? The first story was of two women, both in their 80s, Ruby and Laura. One was a nurse and the other was a doctor. Both unmarried, but their lives were poured out into one thing, and that was in making Christ known among the sick and the poor in some of the most hardest and unreached places on earth. And one day... As these ladies were out driving, serving and spreading the love of God, the brakes in their car failed and they went over a cliff and they died. The other story was of a couple in their 50s who after making a shed load of money took early retirement. They moved over to Florida and they bought a 30-foot cruise ship and they took up the hobby of collecting shells. The question was asked, which of these two stories is the tragedy? The two missionaries or the shell collectors? That was a rhetorical question, by the way. But thank you for your input. You see, one day we will all stand before the Almighty. And on that day we will all give an account for how we spent our life and how we spent our time. And how sad will it be on that day if all we can say, God, look at my boat and look at my shells, the very trinkets that you gave to me throughout this life. I tell you, 
it will be such a tragedy that when we get to glory and we see all the blessings that God had in store for us, but we forfeited them because we were too preoccupied with other things instead. Wouldn't it be tragic? Ecclesiastes 9, 11, sorry, in verse 9, it says, You who are young, be happy while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. In other words, we are all on borrowed time. And one day that time will stop. And on that day, we will not be able to go back into time like Marty McFly from Back to the Future. No. But after all is said and done, time will be called on our lives and we will all stand before the Ancient of Days to receive our just reward. And so in short, let us carpe diem or seize the day. And let us take hold of every God-given opportunity that comes our way. And let us redeem the time. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are a great God. Lord, the fact that we are all here this morning and we are able to see another sunrise, Lord God, and to breathe our next breath is all grace, it is all gift. And so, Father, we look to you this morning. And Lord, I pray that will you stir our hearts, Lord, that we will be able to live in the light of eternity, Lord God, knowing that whatever we do today, that are like, just like a, an egg timer, Father, the old egg timers with sand, that would just fall. Father, help us to see our lives in light of that, Lord, not as a a thing to be fearful or frightened of, but to know that actually we are on borrowed time and that, Father, that we may be spurred and moved into action to do all that we can in you, knowing that, Father, it is you who empower us. It is you who gives us grace, Lord. And so, Lord... We ask, Father, that as we look to you, as we ask those questions of who I am, what I am here for, what is my purpose, what are the giftings and the callings that you have placed within each one. God, as we go on that journey of discovering and walking with you, Father, in your time, will you just unravel that and unveil it to us? That, God, that we may live in accordance to how you have made us and designed us. And that along the way, Father, we may continue to grow in you, know you, make you known, and in the process, redeem the time, Father, for your glory. So, Father, we just bless your name. We thank you that you are a merciful and a gracious God. And we thank you, Father, that when the time stops on our lives here, God, that we will be in your presence where time will not even be in existence, Lord. Because you are outside of time. And Father, we just once again are in awe of your greatness. And Lord, help us to 
to live like Martin Luther, Lord, that Christ died yesterday. He rose today that we can be joyful today because of the hope you conquered death as we will be celebrating in a a few weeks' time. And, Father, that you are returning tomorrow. So help us to get our house in order, as it were, Father, to receive you, to be like the five wise virgins, Lord, awaiting our bridegroom, because he is coming. So, Father, we bless your name, and we glorify your name. Be honored in Jesus' name. Amen.